The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field, a beautiful, warm Early September Sunday here in downtown Minneapolis. Twins and the Royals wrapping up this three-game series. Rubber match of this series as the uh, Royals won on Friday by one. Twins historic fashion last night. Thumping Kansas City 17-0. And now the rubber match here today. Urban Santana and Ian Kennedy, the pitching matchup for Game 3. I'm Corey Provis. We thank you for tuning in. You can reach us in two ways. By email, insidetwins at twinsbaseball.com or on Twitter, hashtag Inside Twins and our guest in our Sunday program, the Chief Baseball Officer from the Minnesota Twins. Always great to have Derek Falvey on the show. How are you? Hey, Corey. Good. Uh, I think we dial up that I'll come in anytime we score 17 the day before. How about any that? Any day of the week. How about that yesterday? <laughs> I mean, you've seen baseball so many different levels. At the big league level, you'll rarely see something like that last night. Yeah, it's uh, you know there are some games, certainly. You're on both sides of those from time to time. And we've certainly had some games that haven't gone our way. But that was nice last night to see. You know, it wasn't just one moment in time in that game. It wasn't one just runaway stretch. Guys took good at-bats throughout the game and just continued to add uh, and finish the game strong, too. So I, I think that that's, that's a, a testament to the – we've talked a lot about the way these guys go about the game every night. They take nothing for granted. And last night throughout the course of the game, I think that, that, that was shown. You can spend all day, whether you're reading you know, the newspaper today, notes from Elias or Stats, Inc., about what the Twins accomplished last night. Here's one that stands out, this one from Elias. The first five batters in the Twins lineup, Dozier, Maurer, Buxton, Polanco, Escobar, each finished with multiple runs scored and multiple runs batted in. So that's a dominating performance, and you're getting that from the guys, at least on paper, you would hope, the guys at the top of your lineup. Yeah, you want to. T- we always talk about not relying on one stretch of, uh, of, of your lineup and lengthening out that lineup. And, and we knew we had some certainly some young players here who could help us moving forward, even at the beginning of the year when some of them were struggling. Now you're seeing some of the benefit of having a more balanced attack that we, we expected to see at some point here. And with Buck going the way he's going, Polanco bouncing back in, in a great fashion, uh, and we're doing all of this without really the, the main thump in the middle of our lineup uh, to, for most of the season in Miguel Sano. So it's just a testament, again, to the the work these guys put in each day offensively to just find a way to keep the line moving. I want to get back to Sano a bit later on, but is it as simple as saying that this young core has simply matured, they've taken a giant step forward, or are there certain things you look at, whether it's swing, whether it's something mechanical, that has proven to be the difference maker with huge, huge steps forward for several of these young players. There's not one answer to that. I I think that certainly maturity, and we've talked before, Corey, about really getting to that 700 to 1,000 plate appearance threshold as a position player to establish who you are at the major league level. Some of our young hitters are are entering that stage right now or or that part of their career. But I also think uh, that you have to give a ton of credit to the players and the work they've put in uh, offensively with with James Rousen and Rudy Hernandez. I mean, these guys are they're they're spending time each and every day finding a way to impact these young hitters. And Buck's made some mechanical adjustments. So has Jorge. Uh, I know a number of other guys that have throughout the course of the season too. Those two just stand out of late. But uh, I, I think that 
it's a testament to the overall um, work that, that the players and the coaches are putting in. As for Buxton, your perspective and your seat, the emotions you were going through Wednesday night and Thursday morning were what? Yeah, it was uh, certainly you know, any time. We know in baseball you're going to run into some injuries, and there's and there's a chance that uh, some are going to be small and some are going to be more significant. And at this stage in the year, and with the pain where he was feeling it in his hand, uh, you, you worry. You don't know anything until you get the final results, and that's why I think speculating you know, the night of or overnight as to what it could be uh, is a bit of a dangerous game. But we, we really felt like the next morning uh, when he got the MRI, we'd have a pretty good idea of wh- what would happen and uh, felt like we, we dodged the bullet a bit. You know, that could have been that could have been worse. So we're, uh, last night seeing him come back and swing the bat the way he did uh, was really nice to see because until you're in there, until you're in the box and making contact and making sure that the hand feels good, uh, you don't know how he'll respond, but he responded in a, a big way last night. Depending on on what you know website you you look at, and you if you break down Byron Buxton's WAR, I mean, for a large chunk of the season, for a guy that wasn't putting up much offense, and his OPS plus, his weighted runs created plus, everything was well below league average offensively. Yet his WAR was approaching two, and now you know some have it over four. Are, are we seeing just how special of a player he is, and does it speak to? how rare of a talent he is with how bad the offensive numbers were for a large chunk of the season with where he was in that important category. Hey, we, we talked even during that stretch uh, when he was struggling offensively how much his defense could impact this team. And uh, I know that the, the performance line and the traditional batting line didn't look exactly the way you'd want to see it from an everyday player, but we're getting better and better as an industry quantifying the value of defense in, in every way, you know, throwing, fielding, um, catching, you know, in different parts of the game behind the plate. So we felt like in Buck, uh, we, we certainly could see the impact he was making defensively. And to your point, he was accumulating war value or uh, major league value in almost any metric you looked at defensively at that stage. Now, the, the key for us was to identify what was he doing offensively to get better? And could we feel he was, uh, did we feel he was in the right place to be able to make those adjustments and, and advance? And uh, his mindset never wavered. You know, his work in the cage never wavered. That's what we were looking for, was to make sure that he still had confidence that he was headed down the right path offensively. And I think we've been rewarded with that patience. Uh, we'll take a break on our uh, show here. We'll come back. We'll dive into some more defensive talk at Derek's take on Joe Maurer's season. Also, injury updates. Miguel Sano, good news on Jason Castro. We'll have Derek discuss that and more coming up. Inside Twins rolling on on this beautiful Sunday right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Probe is back with Derek Falvey. This program until 1230. And then Chris will have the pregame show 110, Twins and the Royals, Urban Santana and Ian Kennedy. We, we spent some time on defense, Derek, in our first segment, and we focused on Buxton as we, as we do often. But I want you to sell me on why Joe Maurer, and the numbers are great, but why should Joe Maurer win a gold glove this year? Well, I think when you look at, first you talk about a little bit about the numbers, and, and let's, let's call it what it is. The reality is you have to look at those. And certainly from any you know, publicly available metric or otherwise, the impact he's making there um, at, at first base is significant. But what I think sometimes gets undersold or underrepresented is all of the plays that are just offline or maybe the one-hop scoop or otherwise, which I know some, some metrics include that, but he's impacted the rest of our infield. If you think about it, going into the season with Miguel Sano at third and Jorge Polanco at shortstop, we knew those guys were going to have to grow and get better. We believed in them, no question. 
But we also knew that those guys would go through some ups and downs, and we were going to support them through that. Joe, on the other end there, has, uh, I don't know, in terms of saving errors or just, you know, those tough plays here and there, he's made an impact on every one of our infielders and their confidence level beyond just what they do on the field because they know he's going to get to everything. He's going to either stop it or make a great pick and a great play. That's allowed those guys to play with confidence moving forward. Defensive metrics, are they still viewed as rather unknown for those who study the game? Is it always defensive run save that, that people go to amongst first basemen? Does UZR come into play? Is there one that you think tells the whole story? I, I think it's a blend. Uh, there isn't one that uh, completely captures what, uh, what what a guy does over there at first base completely. Uh, certainly doesn't capture what I just explained about the confidence. But I, I do think that we're getting better and better, and especially with the advent of StatCast now to get tracking measures as to where a player was standing, how quickly he moved, um, you know, the, the difficulty of the play. We're, we're having a much better uh, – we, we get more data now that will help us better assess a first a quality of a first baseman. But I can tell you that the guys in that clubhouse feel like he's made an impact over there every day at first. Yeah, I could very well see two gold glovers with his twins team, the guy in center. He seems to be uh, the runaway favorite right now in center. And, of course, Joe uh, making a strong campaign here at first in 2017. Some injury news. Let's begin with some good news. Jason Castro activated today. Yeah, so Jason, uh, as we talked about, uh, he's, he's continued to progress through the uh, through the concussion return protocol uh, and is now at a stage where he felt really good. And, and we knew he was tracking in this direction, but with concussions, everybody responds a little bit differently. And uh, Jason was very sensitive to the work he was putting in, catching a bullpen, swinging in the cage, swinging on the field. So now he got to a point where at, at the end of the day yesterday felt really good, came in this morning in a good place, passed all tests. So we're excited to have him back here and available to us. Was there much discussion about at least one rehab game to go catch in a game somewhere? Paul and Jason had talked about that, uh, something that they thought uh, could be beneficial. Uh, but at the same time, with where we are in the season, with the time down, catching a bullpen, getting out there and seeing that live pitching from a from a pitcher was uh, sufficient in our minds to get him back here. And uh, he, while he won't start today, he'll be available. So you know, as we move forward, uh, I think he'll be catching more and more frequently and, and will get himself back up to speed quickly. All right, as for Miguel Sano, has your level of concern grown? In recent weeks, no, I, I wouldn't say it's grown. I think as as we talked about at the beginning of this, uh, when we when we diagnosed it as a stress reaction, you know, in many ways that's a, a better outcome than any type of fracture or otherwise in there in the shin area. So uh, we felt like we knew that there was some uh, healing that needed to come moving forward. And as he as he got better, uh, you know, we've added a little bit more stress to his workouts and routines, and you know, he's kept himself in a good place physically. So he came in today feeling really good and wants to start swinging here soon so I think these are these are not unlike a concussion a stress reaction is not something that uh, every player deals with the same in the same way we've had a number of people assess it from the outside and give us some recommendations we feel we have a good path moving forward but we want to react to him each day to put him in the best position to be successful do you have an answer if someone would throw your way does Miguel's size did that and has that impacted the injury that he's battling right now? Do those two are those two connected? You know, I, I think it's a, it's an easy leap that people have made because he is a larger than average player certainly. Uh, but you know, these things can happen in a number of different ways. They can happen from a foul ball off the shin. They can happen from the way a certain guy runs and his gait and otherwise, whether he's um, of the weight that Miguel is or, or not. So I can't speak to that, and I can tell you this that I think that 
you know, his work since he's since he's had that happen. He's he's very sensitive to the impact you know his weight has on his body and making sure that he's in good shape when he returns. So um, I know I know he's putting in all the work that we would ask of him uh, to ensure that he's ready to go when he's there. When he's there. One more in Snow before we take our next break. Do you have a timetable in mind? Do you when does weight bearing exercises, baseball-related activities, when can that begin? Well, I, I think given what we just learned this morning, him coming in, feeling good, and uh, the first discussion here of him maybe taking some swings over the next couple of days, uh, we feel like there's some possibility if those go well and he feels good, we could progress him to, to maybe see some pitching. You know, And how we do that, we'll, we'll assess as we go, whether that's in a, a rehab game or you know, maybe some sim game when you get into September and you have more pitchers pitching uh, out, in the, out in the bullpen. Sometimes those guys need a fresh inning, so you'll run a few sim games. Uh, there, there are some things that we can do over the course of the next few days to get him back to baseball activity. And, and my hope is that during the early portion of this road trip, we're, we're, we're seeing some of that. that. That's big news. That That's big news, that he could see some live pitching as early as this week. We, we hope so. Okay. I, I think that, you know, I, I'd be uh, just our honest take on this is we are taking it day to day. And as he felt this morning and the potential that he could see some live pitching, um, we'll, we'll, we'll address that, whether that's in a, a controlled setting in a sim game or potentially in a game. We'll have more news on that as the week progresses if he's feeling good. Will he have times in the, with the season in September, depending on playoff scenarios with minor league teams, to get some action in games or are we thinking more instructional? Well, it, it could, to your point, Corey, it, it's all going to depend on schedule. Okay. So uh, we are very fortunate that each one of our minor league teams is tracking to make the playoffs at this point. Rochester is in a battle here down the stretch. Uh, but I, I think at, at this stage, we could see our, our minor league teams have enough games moving forward where we have some we have some opportunity through through the middle of the month. All right, we'll take a break, come back. We'll dive into September roster expansion with Derek Falvey next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Back with Derek Falvey, I'm Corey Provis, and Derek, good segment on injuries. Uh, and now let's go back there. We left out Robbie Grossman, who's going to begin a rehab assignment quickly here tonight. Yes, so Robbie is uh, is right now, he headed yesterday for Rochester. Uh, he'll hit, um, he'll, he'll DH today, uh, facing a right-handed pitcher, so he'll hit left-handed. Um, and that'll that's that's the side that's a little bit better for for the way the thumb uh, is progressing. So uh, it, we'll get him some at bats, get him in a game, and and hopefully that'll get, make him an option for us here soon. Yeah, he was saying yesterday, and Paul said as much on on the pregame show yesterday that that right side it's still pretty tender. Will he hit right-handed at all with Rochester if that situation comes up, or will he take pitches? Or and and when he does come back to the big league club is batting right-handed out of the equation? Well, the way we've looked at it is he feels really good left-handed now. No reason to wait. Let's get him seeing live pitching, timing. Let's get all those things right. Uh, We expect that the right side, the thumb will get better each day. It's just time. And anytime you have a fracture like this, there's there's no way to speed up time. So we want to make sure that if if he's good from the left side, he's getting some at-bats. We'll flip him over to the right side in some in some batting practice settings, tracking. He'll continue to hit right-handed off a tee and some in some side work. If that starts to feel good enough where he can go jump in right-handed, he will. But uh, I wouldn't put a timetable on that just yet. All right, roster expansion is here. Uh, your thoughts, number one, on the idea that you play 25 men from April through August and now you get to September and it could be 35 against 29. Do you like that rule, or in this most recent CBA, should there have been some arrangement to kind of 
bring this down a bit. There, there was certainly some dialogue around uh, changing the, the roster uh, limits in September. I think there's potentially a compromise to be had in the future. It's something that Major League Baseball continues to think about. Uh, to your point, we have a number of months where we play with a, a certain size roster, and then it changes for, for the final push. There's some benefit to that, uh, certainly the, at the late stages of the season when guys are uh, maybe worn down a little bit, that it gives us extra arms in your bullpen, you know, a chance to kind of navigate a, a bit differently. We all have the same rules, so that's ultimately what matters is we all can bring as many players as we would like to, up to 40. Uh, but I, I certainly recognize that from a game planning standpoint, the challenge it, it, it makes uh, for a manager. So uh, it's, it'll be revisited moving forward, and I'm sure they'll come out with a good solution. And this initial wave that joined the team, three guys initially with Turley, Boshears, and also Nico Goodrum, who's starting today, DH's first big league start, after debuting last night when 0 for 2. Is this just the first wave and then waiting to see how things play out at AAA and AA and then maybe add some more? It's possible, certainly. I think we looked at it as a number of the guys we called up in the prior two weeks to September uh, due to injuries, whether that was Mitch Garver and Zach Granite or Kenneth Vargas, a number of those guys we anticipated being part of our September wave. So we view those guys uh, as some of the young players we were likely to bring up. Certainly we'll get some guys healthy. We talked about Grossman, Castro coming off the DL, um, some guys that if we can get Sano back here soon. So those will be nice ads. Uh, but we also want to keep other players fresh that it doesn't benefit uh, anybody for a player to come up here and either not pitch for a week or you know take one to two at-bats over the course of a week if they can go play every day. There's no rule that says we can't go and grab a guy tomorrow from Rochester if we need him. So we felt it was beneficial for the guys down in the minor leagues to continue to play, uh, and we'll revisit that when their seasons come to a close. We'll take our last break, come back, wrap up Inside Twins next, and you're home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back. Inside Twins wrapping up with Derek Falvey. Then it's game three coming up. Irvin Santana against Ian Kennedy. Just about a minute or so left of our program. Hector Santiago is going to pitch tonight for Rochester. Mejia is going tomorrow. Are you more optimistic about Mejia right now than Santiago? I, I think as it stands right now, Mejia is tracking a little bit better toward uh, a starting conversation just because of how that last outing went. Where's Velo's return to? He feels really good. Hector's still kind of fighting through a little bit of uh, of getting back to where he needs to be. So I certainly feel a little bit better about um, Adalberto in terms of starting. But I, I, I think Hector's in a good spot, too. Was Hector okay with going on the 60-day DL? I know it's retroactive now to early July. Was that just a, you know something that's paperwork and he understood? Or did that... Did that... Did you have a separate conversation? We're always trying to maximize roster spots. And because Hector had already been on the DL, I think, for 58 or 59 days when we did that, there was no expectation we would activate him uh, in the in the short term. So it, it really it's, it's a paper move more than anything else because it allows him it allows us to create that roster spot. All right, about 20 seconds left. Your thoughts on Irvin today in Game 3? Well, Irvin's been our, our guy all year, you know, our leader. So when you have a rubber game on a Sunday and uh, you get a chance to, to beat a team that's right behind you, I, I know our guys are going to put forth the best effort they can. Great show. Thanks, Thanks for your time. All right. Uh, we thank Derek Falvey for being our guest. Do not go anywhere. We have plenty more to come here on the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Chris has the pregame show next. Then it's game three. Twins and the Royals. Santana 14-7. and seven, Kennedy 4-10. and 10. We thank you for tuning in. Twins Baseball continues next right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.